Can we say thanks to the worship and arts team for helping us today? This is awesome. You guys did great. They have really been putting in a lot of work, uh, time, and energy to uh, bless us in this way this morning. So, I'm huge thanks to them and to our production team. Uh, today, we're going to continue on in a series in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at uh, Mark chapter 16 today. So, uh, for those of you who've been uh, following along, we've been going through uh, the Gospel of Mark, taking it for, I think we started at the beginning of the year. So, we've been looking at what it means. Uh, to live as a, as a disciple of Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. And because it's Easter, we thought we'd skip to the end of the Gospel of Mark. How's that sound? You guys don't sound very excited. It's a sermon, okay? There's, uh, right? Like, okay, the least you could do is fake it, okay? So, like, all right, so right, you guys excited about the sermon? <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're going to be the Gospel of Mark, and uh, I, I got to tell you that um, what we've been noticing about Jesus is that he is frequently uh, disrupting the complacency of his followers. He's frequently challenging their preconceived notions, their ideas of what it means to uh, have faith. He's, he's constantly undermining the power dynamics at play, and he's also simultaneously fostering healing in their spaces of brokenness. Jesus is oftentimes, in fact, just at least in my life, I find that Jesus is oftentimes simultaneously uh, confronting portions of my life that are uh, complacent, my prejudices, my just kind of backwards thinking, and at the same time fostering healing in spaces of my brokenness, and, and he wants to do that in all of our lives, and we see that throughout the gospel. And so today we're going to cut to the end, and then next week we're actually going to uh, pick up where we left off. We'll go back to the middle of the Gospel of Mark, and we're actually going to look at some of the teachings of Jesus as it relates to sex, money, and power. So next week's sermon, if you're looking for a rated R sermon, next week. Uh, today it'll probably be PG, uh, unless I curse, and then we'll, we'll up the rating. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Could we get excited? We don't know. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at the ending of Mark. This is the end of Mark's gospel, and i got to tell you, I read it yesterday. And I've got to tell you, there's, a, there's just some problems with it, okay? There's some problems with Mark chapter 16, and maybe you guys can help me today uh, make some sense of it. Is that, can you guys help me? So I'll put it up on the screen. I know not all of us have brought our Bibles. Totally fine. If you've got a Bible, I encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 16, but I'm hoping you can help me figure out a couple of these problems. Uh, we, maybe we can help each other figure it out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to it right now. Uh, we'll put it up here on the screen. Uh, this, is, this is the ending of Mark's gospel. Now, up until this point in time, uh, here's kind of what's happened. So Jesus, uh, we, we start in the gospel of Mark. Jesus calls people to follow him, and they do. And he does miracles and teaching, and he's constantly like equipping his disciples to do stuff. Uh, and then uh, he says, about halfway through the Gospel of Mark, he says to his disciples, uh, hey, listen, we're going to, like, I'm going to go, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to get, like, turned over into the hands of, like, my enemies, people who hate me, and then they're going to kill me, and then three days later, uh, I'm going to rise from the dead. And, do you, and he said it multiple times to his followers. And do you know what his followers uh, thought when they heard him say that? <laughs> this guy is talking crazy. Like, we, one of the things that's crazy about the followers of Jesus and, and their representation of Mark is that when Jesus predicts his death, burial, and resurrection, nobody believes him, okay? So then he, like, then we get to this scene. He's, he's in Mark chapter 15, he's crucified. He's turned over into the hands of his enemies. He's betrayed, and then he's crucified. And just, I just have a real quick question for you. What uh, happens, what usually happens to dead people? 
they just stay dead, right? What happens to dead people? Dead. Just they're, they're dead, right? Isn't that what normally happens to dead people? They stay dead. Okay, watch this. So, ready? Here we go. Okay, let's take a look. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought, bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Okay, so what did they do? So here are some uh, followers of Jesus, some of Jesus' disciples. Oh, by the way, TV time out. i got to tell you something. Uh, since I read Mark yesterday, I noticed something. I had been in the habit of saying, kind of over the years, saying like things like Jesus was totally abandoned by his followers uh, at the cross. And actually, as I've kind of uh, read through the text and, and actually paid attention this time, I noticed... Uh, that he wasn't totally abandoned. Rather, he was uh, abandoned by most of his disciples. But in Mark's account, you get three women who are faithful disciples, and they followed him all the way to the cross and to the tomb. And so you have these faithful women, and they were there, and they're coming to the tomb. Why did they buy spices? So that Why do you buy spices? Okay, so if you're going to go to a tomb and like care for a body uh, that's been crucified, why would you bring spices? Right? You're, they are full. What are they expecting to see at the tomb? Okay, this is the, this, okay, normal, right? To, 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 everyone say totes normal. Totes normal, okay? This is to, it's totally normal. Okay, so very early in the morning. How early? Very, okay? So I know that you're in the 11 o'clock service. Do you know people wake up early and get here at 9.30 sometimes? <laughs> On the, for those people, right? Early, early. First day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. Where did they go? The tomb, what are they expecting? Dead, right? They're expecting dead. They were saying to one another, this is their concern, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Of course, that's totally normal, right? Because they're usually, they, when there's a tomb cut out, they would put a, 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 a stone in front of it to, you know, make sure the grave robbers and stuff didn't go through. Okay, so check this out. Uh, so they're going to the tomb, and what are they expecting? Dead. Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large. How large? Very, right? Mark is like, it's very early. It's very large. Very nice. Okay, so had been rolled away, okay? When they entered the tomb, what are they expecting? Dead. They saw a young man dressed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were, of course they were. Duh. Because they roll in, right? They're, they're rolling in. They got their spices, and they're like, we're so sad, and we're expecting dead, and they're wondering, how are we going to get this rock out of the way of the tomb? And they show up, and the rock's been rolled out of the way, and they're like, okay, well, that's cool. Uh, and they go in, and they're expecting a corpse, and they meet a dude dressed in white. I think that we're meant to understand this to be like an angelic being, uh, some sort of, that's kind of the white robe situation, or Calvin Klein model, don't know, not sure, don't know, you know, like, hey, I, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what kind of robe it was, but he's sitting on the right side, and they were of course they were, right? So let's keep going. Don't be alarmed. Yeah, cool, bro. Like, where, there, where's the corpse? Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, we are. Yeah, that's who we're looking for. And he was what? Notice the angelic being says, you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And what happens to crucified people? Dead. And so what are you looking for? A corpse. And here's, here's the, this is a huge problem. He has risen. Wait, wait, okay, hold on. Hold up. Dead people stay dead, D-E-D, -E -D, dead. If you dead, you dead. There's, there's nothing else, right? 
And, 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 and so for some of us moderns, we kind of have this idea like, oh, people back then believed in, you know, spiritual, supernatural, things like that. I got to tell you, in all the studying I've done uh, yesterday morning, all the studying I've done, I, 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 the ancients did not believe in resurrection. They believed in, like, afterlife. They kind of had this idea of, like, Hades or the underworld, like in Egypt. Uh, the, the Greeks definitely, they just kind of thought your soul left your body. Um, or, or, and so that, that was cool. And you kind of go in the suite by and by. But, but resurrection is not the same. Resurrection is this idea of you, your whole person, body, mind, and soul, like your actual being dying and then rising. In, in the original language, that, that Greek word just means got up. Like, he got up. Do, do dead things get up? No, right? So he says, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, we are. And he was crucified. Yes, he was. He has risen. And, and the thing is that no one's expecting a resurrection because resurrection doesn't happen. Dead things stay dead, even in the ancient mind. Everybody knows this, right? And here's the deal. Resurrection doesn't happen in, until it does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys in on a secret, okay? Can I tell you guys a secret? Um, if somebody, or if you, but let's just say somebody, uh, says, I'm going to die, I'll be betrayed in the hands of evil people, then, I'm, then they're going to kill me, then I'm going to be buried. Then, three days later, I'm going to rise from the grave, and they pull it off. You want to listen to that guy or gal. You want to listen to them, right? Like, one of the reasons why I follow Jesus is he said, you're going to kill me, and then I'm going to rise. And then he did it, and it's like, cool. That's terrifying, but also wonderful. And if you can pull it off, I'll listen to what you say, too. So, Let's talk after the service. Jesus, so far, to my knowledge, is the only one who's done it. Here's the deal. No one is expecting this, and nobody initially really believed it. It was so unfathomable. I, I, I think for some of us, we think, well, those primitive people back then, they were all just foolish, but us moderns, we've kind of got it dialed in. They knew what dead looked like. They were much more acquainted with death than we are because it was in front of their face all the time. They knew what dead things did. They just stayed dead. They stayed dead. But here he's risen. He is not here. See the place. And then he does, he, he makes a case. He makes an argument. Look here, this spot where they laid him, he, he's not here. Okay, so Jesus is risen, okay? So here's why, here's why this matters. I just want you guys to zoom in on this risen piece. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus conquered over death. Why does this matter? Why does this matter to us? I want, to, I want you to zoom in on this thing. Aren't we afraid of death? Is death scary? Let's just do a quick survey. Is death scary? Yeah, horrifying. Like, there's nothing more, in our lived experience, there are, there's nothing more final than death because what happens to dead things? Okay, and there are some of us recently within our church family and in our broader community who've become well acquainted with this reality. Some of you, this Easter is not a happy time because you are grieving the finality of a relationship or a loved one or someone that you care deeply about and it just seems like there's no hope because we know in our lived experience that death is final, it's powerful, it takes all of us. Hmm? Okay, so here's the deal. <clears throat> death gets leveraged in our own hearts and by other people to cause us to fear, to, 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 to not live. So just why are we so greedy and selfish? 
because we're afraid that we're not gonna get ours. We're afraid that we're not gonna be taken care of. We're afraid that we're not going to have life abundant. And so we take, and the consequences are not my problem, and other people can deal with it. I need to make sure I get mine. Why do we do that? Because we're afraid we're not gonna have enough. We're afraid that there's only gonna be so much to go around. So we've gotta take, and I've gotta do that because otherwise death will encroach upon me. Why are, why, okay, why do all the kingdoms of this world threaten you, excuse me, use death to threaten people into behaving and cooperating according to what they desire? Because we're afraid to die. We don't want to, we, like the people who are dealing death, they leverage it for oftentimes their own evil gain. Why does it seem like the death bringers keep winning? Because death is powerful, right? And it just, it, it just seems in our lived experience that death is going to get us too, which it will. And if that's the case, then I'm going to live selfishly. I'm going to take, take advantage. I'm going to take. I'm going to always reach out my hand, and I'm going to take. But you see, Jesus shows up on the scene and does crazy stuff. He says things like this. If you want to be a leader, be a servant to all. Put the last first. Don't try to clamor for a seat at the head of the table. Rather, elevate others ahead of yourself. Use every gift that you have in the service and in grace and love for others. And we say, Jesus, that sounds wonderful. Jesus, that sounds awesome. But don't you know that death is knocking at my Don't you know that I need to take? And here's what Jesus does in the resurrection. Here's why this matters. You guys ready for this? You guys ever seen like um like those like uh, martial arts movies like Jackie Chan where someone and they like they won't use like a gun you know it's like their thing and then someone's like they brandish a firearm and then like the character's like and they like take the gun into pieces and then it's like you guys familiar with this trope in the movies okay so that's being disarmed right right the the fighter is disarming right notice what Jesus does in the resurrection is he disarms death. He disarms death, which means in Jesus, that thing, that big scary thing that often gets leveraged to cause us to do things that sometimes we don't want to do, it's, it's caught, we, we talk ourselves into it in the, in the corrupt spaces of our own heart. Jesus disarms death and then says, follow me, which means that there is life and life abundant. Death is not the end. And here's the other thing too. Jesus doesn't show up on the scene saying, yeah, death is not the end, and one day uh, you, you'll say a prayer, and you get to go to the, the heaven up in the clouds, and you go to heaven when you die, and you get to be kind of this spiritual being. No, the hope of your Bible, the hope that Jesus proclaims is the hope of a resurrection. Okay? All that which is broken is made whole again. The hope of Jesus is a resurrection and restoration of the material cosmos. Like, get ready to make your ears bleed here. This is like nosebleed theology. The hope of Jesus is the hope that he is the down payment of the ultimate resurrection that will take all of us, which means that for those of us this Easter that are in mourning and we're recognizing the power of death, we look death in the eye and we say, yeah, you're scary, but you don't get the last word. Jesus does. And one day we will rise. That's why, by the way, we sing things like wonderful, powerful, mighty, promise keeper, miracle worker. Because we see, because resurrection does not happen until it does. And when it does, we're to pay attention. And so my encouragement to you is this give the resurrection of Jesus its appropriate. 
do. For those of you that have been baptized, you know that baptism is the way at least that we practice it. We go under the water, signifying going into the grave with Jesus, signifying going into death. But then, here at Desert Springs, it's our 100% policy, come out of the water, okay? We're batting a 1,000 on that so far, right? Come out of the water, connecting ourselves to the resurrection of Jesus, that one day, just as Jesus rose, so too one day I will rise, which means that right now, so for those of you that have been baptized, here's my question to you this morning. Why did you take that baptism? And what did it mean to you, and how is it shaping you now? What does that mean for you, that one day we will rise? For those of you that are still trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here, and I, I want to encourage you to just be, be, be curious about Jesus. I know a bunch of his followers are acting a fool. That's not new. That's been going on for 2,000 years. It's actually in the Bible a bunch. And I know that a bunch of people are using Jesus' name for a political agenda or a military agenda or to try to get some sort of uh, money out of somebody's pocket. That's been going on for 2,000 years too. But put them aside and give Jesus a hearing. That's my encouragement to you today as we witness the baptisms here in just a moment. Now, I, I said, how many problems were there in this text? Was it one or two? There's a lot of problems in the text, but we said just two today because I have to keep it short because we got all these baptisms. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, is the Bible like a big deal? Kind of a big deal. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, and you think like, it's just as far as literature goes, you think it's kind of like, Important? Yeah, like well put together? Yeah, they've been working on it for a while. Okay, so um, so my expectation reading Mark is that he's going to really like end with a bang, right? Here we've got this resurrection, and it's like this angelic being, and I'm ready to see like the next, like the next 20 minutes of the movie, right? Okay, notice how Mark ends it. Watch. Everyone lean in. Your ticket entitles you to your whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge of it. Watch this. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Okay, real quick, little TV timeout. Notice this. Tell his disciples and whom? Okay, the reason that he teases out Peter is because just, the, just earlier when we were reading in the Gospel of Mark, Peter is one of the dudes who like, was like, Jesus, no matter what comes, I'm going to always stand by your side. And then adversity came and Peter was like, peace. I'm out. He's out. Now, here's the deal. Peter had betrayed Jesus, but notice what this messenger says. Go, tell his disciples, and make sure you tell Peter. See, Peter had turned his back on the Lord. Hmm? And here you have, and just this and Peter, is such a kind, gracious moment. Because even though Peter was unfaithful, Jesus is faithful. And there are some of us here, even maybe we're thinking about our baptism, there are some of us here and we felt like we have turned our backs on God. But I want you to see, and Peter. And, and I might even encourage you to take Peter's name out and put yours in. No matter where you've been or where you're going, Jesus loves you so much. More than you can ever imagine. There's nothing that you've ever done that surprises Jesus. He's like, you know, God. And yet he still longs to be with you. He loves you so much. So tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. 
Remember, we're getting ready for this big crescendo, right? Ready. We're, like, we're ready to be like, whoa, cool. They went out and ran from the tomb. Why did they run from the tomb? Oh, because they were faithful and they were going to go proclaim the good news of the gospel. Nope. Because they were, because what? Trembling and astonishment, what? Overwhelmed them and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Okay, Mark, resolve the tension. And this is how Mark ends. And you're like, homie, did you forget the rest of the story? Now, here's the problem with Mark. It's often referred to as the abrupt ending of Mark. And boy, is it abrupt. Yeah, the last scene is these three women who have so far been faithful now actually being unfaithful to the, to the call to proclaim the gospel, right? And they're running away in fear. Which, by the way, totally normal, right? Like the resurrection overwhelmed them. Now, why would Mark end the story this way? In fact, some of the earliest Christians were so struck by this abrupt ending that they actually wrote in, like they tried to soften it a little bit by writing in like a cleaner ending. In fact, in, in your Bible, you might actually have a longer ending with some brackets and it says something like this isn't in the earliest manuscripts. But I think what Mark is doing is really fascinating. I think Mark is doing two things simultaneously. One is he is rattling our cage and he's saying, you really got to pay attention to this story. Start over. It's an invitation to further investigation. He's saying, go back to the beginning, read it again. And then, and this is, this, I love this about Mark's gospel. I think that Mark intentionally does not conclude his gospel because while his paper ran out, the gospel continues on. Like the risen Christ is still right now at work. The risen Jesus is still present and active and living and with us. And I think that Mark kind of abruptly cuts off the gospel so that we can see our own lives as a continuation of the story that he started in Mark chapter 1. So in just a moment, as we witness these baptisms, for those of you who've been baptized, my encouragement to you would be to reflect on what that baptism means to you. For those who would like to be baptized, we'd love the opportunity to baptize you today if you'd like. You can simply visit some of our ministers here in the, uh, the back door. I believe Mark's over there, and we'd love to talk with you. For those of you that are still trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, maybe you're not ready for baptism yet, that's totally fine. But I would encourage you as you listen to these testimonies, as you listen to the singing today, would you just reflect on the things that you've heard? Because I know this without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus invites everyone to follow him and to continue this good news story in your life. For in Jesus we have life and life abundant. Let's take a look at this video. <laughs> 